When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're here to continue uh, with our off-season podcasting and a great one today. Uh, we're looking at EPA per play for the AFC North quarterbacks. And this is not just a backwards-looking one. It's a forward-looking one. And joining us is Tage Seth. Tage, how you doing? Good. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on again. I always love to come on here and talk Ravens football with you. So really excited to to talk about this uh, EPA per play on the AFC North quarterbacks today. I, I'm excited to do it as well. I saw the graph come out on Twitter and, and I said, we have to have a methodology discussion about this because Tage loves to do that and and uh, and talk about his work. Uh, formerly a PFF intern this summer, joining the real world, I'll call it, to, to <laughs> take a Deloitte internship, and that's terrific. Uh, uh, but tell us a little bit about your methodology on EPA per play. And I'm going to bring up the chart here because it's somewhat, it's one that Ravens fans are going to love to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is using a statistical technique called Bayesian bootstrapping to kind of get a range of outcomes for how we think a quarterback will perform relative to their EPA per play that's measured for them on the season. So you can kind of break down both of those terms uh, and, and go deep into them. So if we take the first part of Bayesian bootstrapping, which is Bayesian, that's the measure of statistics and uncertainty. So, you know, when when we are working with sample sizes that may not be that large or we're working with, you know, data that, you know, kind of ranges all over the place and doesn't have like a very consistent outcome, Mm -hmm. what Bayesian statistics does 
and what people specialize in is you know different ways to kind of measure the the range of outcomes that can occur from that and then with bootstrapping that's to uh kind of get a distribution and kind of you know what you see here with a player uh you know for example like lamar jackson we can kind of see his distribution can range anywhere from over 0.3 epa per play which would be a very very elite season that you know we've seen from him before but it could also go all the way back to the left tail of it where it kind of ends at 0.1 EPA per play, which is about an average level quarterback. So, so let's be clear on what's being measured here. The, the thing we're seeing are the projected seasonal EPA outcomes. I mean, not any individual play, or maybe it, maybe it would work for an individual play too, but this, this thing is the seasonal expectation. It's not the range of expectations for his individual plays for the season or his games for the season or anything like that. This is his seasonal result. Yeah, you're exactly right, Ken. Yeah, it's 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 going to be, you know, kind of projecting where I think his final season EPA per play will fall, uh, you know, after he's played 17 regular season games. All right, fantastic. Okay, so this is this is we can see this. Uh, some people may not know how to interpret this kind of a graph, but I'll just say that that the uh, this is a, a probability density graph. Mm-hmm. And the peak you'll see is at about 10, that's 10% of the total outcomes. Uh, and you can think of this as, as the sum of all the probabilities uh, under the graph is equal to one. That's, mm-hmm. the, that's exactly. the key about a probability density function is you, you, you always have that uh, being the case. Uh, and, and so what we would take from this is that the, the typical result for Lamar, the average result, the mean, median, mode, whatever you want to call it, is all better than the rest of the AFC North quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's, that's because of, you know, Lamar's 2019 season uh, being, you know, MVP level where he ranked first in the league in in EPA per play. And then also, you know, just his overall ability, you know, in 2020 to have a, a put together a pretty good season, uh, despite the supporting cast, not necessarily being as as good as it was in 2019. And then 2021, we got less of a sample on Lamar uh, because, uh, you know, he was dealing with some sickness some COVID and then some injuries uh, towards the end of the season. But yeah, we do see that at most of his, you know, play play levels, he has been better than than the other AFC North quarterbacks that are projected to start this year. Okay. Is there any projection component to this saying that Lamar is, you know, 26 years old, or I actually don't know how old exactly Lamar is going to be during the season this year, but, uh, and so we would expect X improvement from previous years to do that, or is that not included in this? Yeah. So there is a little bit of, you know, some supporting cast adjustments that, that the, the, you know, the, the uh, algorithm that I have will will kind of take into account, you know, if a team is really adding a strong wide receiver one or their offensive line, you know, looks to improve a lot because those are things that can affect, you know, a player's EPA per play. But, you know, it's, it's mostly uh, based on the quarterback. Um, you know, they they control, you know, most of what what occurs in their in their EPA per play on the season. So they're they're the ones that uh, that are are going to be you know shown here strongly. I didn't, I'm sorry, I didn't hear the answer to my question. I always tend to re-ask a thing at least once when <laughs> when this happens, but is there any age-related factor that would go towards a normal aging curve or progression of play by the individual, by by Jackson, that would that would fit into how you're projecting his 22 season based on 19 through 21? Mm-hmm. 
Oh, sorry, I, I misunderstood you there. But uh, no, I don't have any any age curves uh, uh, built into this. That could be something I do on the in the future. Um, I found you know in the past working with age curves has has been pretty pretty difficult because of mm -hmm. you know different players uh, kind of getting you know used to playing football at the NFL level at, at different ages. But I, I definitely do like that idea. Something to explore um, you know later on as I continue to make these. It's it's treacherous with a player like Jackson, and this is one thing I said about about his 2019 season. Even though he, you know he had this great year at 22, I think, um, and you know was the youngest MVP and blah blah blah. You have to expect regression. First of all, it's one of the greatest seasons of all time, so expect regression to the mean from anyone who puts up a season like that, whoever whoever it might be, but but certainly from Jackson, we've seen some of that. I think over the course of the last two years, but uh, but hopefully Lamar is back in a position where uh, he'll be better. Tell us about the other AFC North quarterbacks, though, in terms of of how they look here, and are are, are they paying? Is Burrow paying for a uh, you know a poor offensive line, for example? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you could see kind of Burrow's density not being as sharp as the other quarterbacks in this graph here and that's because his range of outcomes on this season is wider because we need to figure out you know if burrow himself is just uh kind of contagious to taking so many sacks as he did last year if that's just kind of in his play style or if it was because the Bengals' offensive line was so bad you know that that might be so like with so many moving parts on Burrow's offensive line, coupled with, uh, you know, his sample size being a lot small, smaller than Lamar's, uh, you know, with Burrow missing half of his rookie season and then, uh, you know, having a, a one less season in, in this sample uh, compared to, you know, Lamar or, or Trubisky. Uh, that's why his his range of outcomes is, is kind of wider for the season. It's the combination of the offensive line and, and the sample size. So let's take a look at Burrow also in terms of the great receivers he had last year. And, they, and Cincinnati, of course, has maintained their their outstanding receiving core for this year as well. Um, th does the fact that the Bengals were exceptionally healthy at their skill positions last year, it's certainly true at the receiver position, let's put it that way. Uh, does the fact that they enjoyed that sort of an advantage throughout the year play it all into um, how you distribute the outcomes here or how you set the expected, the, the EPA per play, how you mm -hmm. set it, how you calculate it. Yeah, no, that, that's a great point about, about, you know, the, the Bengals receivers being very healthy last year. And, you know, I think using both Burroughs 2020 season and 2021 season, uh, you know, replacing um, Jamar, or sorry, AJ Green with Jamar Chase is almost as big of an upgrade as you can mm -hmm. get. Uh, that position. So since since it kind of uses Burrow's, uh, you know, both samples with both of those, throwing to both of those receivers together, I think it it should do a pretty good job of accounting for that because like it also knows how he did with AJ Green uh, when when you know when AJ Green wasn't helping him and especially with with deep balls then at, at that stage in his career. So I think it should be smoothed over. But yeah, that's that's like another reason why I think maybe his his range of outcomes is is larger than the other quarterbacks. AJ Green in his final year at the Bengals, I believe, was somewhere around 5.0 yards per target. He might have even been below that for the for the year, but it's just an awful, awful yeah. number for a wide receiver, and and still getting a lot of targets. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, uh, okay. Well, so so Burrow, uh, what I would how I would describe that is the widest range mm -hmm. of possible outcomes in the division of the, of the quarterbacks. 
and his his average or expected looks to be about 0.07 lower than Lamar. That sound about right? Mm-hmm. Yes, that sounds right. All right. Well, now now we go to two of the others in the division, and uh, who do you want to talk about first? Do you want to talk about uh, uh, Jacoby Brissett or or Mitch Trubisky? Yeah, I, I'll, I'll talk about Mitch Trubisky uh, first. So you know we've we've seen a lot of Mitch Trubisky. Uh, you know he played played a while for the Bears, and then he you know he he took a season off uh, last year to to kind of sit uh, you know behind Josh Allen and wait around for an opportunity. And you know we we know what Mitchell Trubisky is at this point in his career, right? Like you know once once a quarterback kind of plays a couple years, we we get a good feel of of how good or bad a quarterback are. So. There, there are opportunities for Trubisky to be above average, but most of them are below average. Okay. So with Trubisky, I think if I were to make the case as a Steelers fan of, of how it could be better this year, first of all, I'd say I really hope that that Pickett is ready sooner rather than later to take the position from Trubisky. And, and some of the things coming out of Steelers camp would tell you that might be true. Uh, so others would say, no, it's not true. <laughs> but yeah. but Tr- Trubisky uh, has played in one of the worst possible quarterback environments when he was with the bears anyway in terms of of you know not having a really premium set of receivers i would say i would say not necessarily having an offensive scheme that necessarily is ideal i wouldn't think he'd you'd say he had a top offensive line either uh is it possible that coming to pittsburgh where um offensive coordinator is probably a little bit more with it and the receiving core is pretty good across the board is that going to be something that will help him mm-hmm. definitely i think you know the receiving talent like you mentioned is something that could get him to hit his right side of outcomes there on on the the distribution um you know between deontay johnson getting his extension very recently george pickens being a training camp star this offseason uh and everything but my my reservation about the steelers is i think their offensive line is really bad and you know that that if if you want to you know roll out a quarterback of trubisky's caliber i think it's really important to have a good offensive line yeah. so that they have some type of run game to rely on and also aren't being pressured frequently and so that that's why i don't think i'm not super high on on kind of like his his outcome this season all right, before we go to Brissett, and that's great thoughts on on Trubisky, by the way. I think a lot of Ravens fans would certainly agree. Um, I've I, I got to talk about the chart a little bit more. So the EPA per play, the dotted line is usually the league average in your mm-hmm. charts, and that's something I've grown accustomed to. So the, the average EPA per play is about 0.07, maybe, as I'm reading it? Yes, for quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. For quarterbacks. So Burrow, you're projecting a mean or median of about 0.12, 0.13 in that range. And Lamar right around 0.2 per play, which is enormous, enormously different. And that is all plays or just pass plays or just so, pass and their runs. Yeah, it's pass and then designed runs. Mm-hmm. A pass and their designed runs. So, okay, sorry. Wait, so it's it's any play where they drop back to pass. So that could be scrambles too. Okay. Um, and then and then also sacks included in there, and then also design runs on top of that with quarterbacks. Okay, so if if Lamar goes to the mesh point but actually hands the ball off, that play is excluded. But if he goes to the mesh point and pulls it, then it's included in this in these totals. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So that maybe is not completely capturing what he's doing for other players, but other players are also like not likely to put up 0.2 EPA per play 
on their run plays from the mesh, even if it's mm-hmm. the even if it's the, the the better choice in that handoff. Okay, it's it's interesting methodology. I'm not going to try and dig too deep into what you did to uh, calculate EPA per play, but it's but it's interesting to know what's what you tried to include. So that's good. Uh, let's move on, if we could, to Jacoby Brissett then, and and uh, talk a little bit about him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when I wanted to make this graph and post it on Twitter. Uh, it was, I wanted to see kind of what the AFC North quarterbacks look like that are going to be starting week one. So, you know, right now we assume that Jacoby Brissett will be the starter for the Browns week one uh, because of everything happening there. And so, you know, with, with Jacoby Brissett's career, he is, you know, a perfectly fine backup quarterback as a starter. Oh, Oh, Uh, I'm good. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) As a, as a starting quarterback, he, you know, has also been below average like Mitchell Trubisky. Um, You know, we kind of saw that, you know, the last time he was in a significant starter role with the Colts uh, a couple of years ago when Andrew Luck retired and they started off hot, but he faded a lot towards the end of the season. So that's kind of what's built in here uh, with, with his projection. Okay, so um, I know there's a there's a fair amount of wagering going on, and obviously a lot of Twitter is interested in in what a lot of the entire sports world is interested in what's going to happen to Deshaun Watson. I know you you worked at PFF with a fairly heavy gambling crowd. Uh, can, can you tell me what what do you think the over under is on Deshaun Watson at this point in terms of games? Yeah, so games played this year, I think you know the over under should be set at eight and a half. I feel like that would be, you know, wiping him out for, for half a season. Um, the NFL, you know, wants a, a full season, but the independent arbitrator settled on six. So, you know, I think they kind of meet somewhere where it's enough to derail the Browns for most of the season, but the NFL PA also gets, you know, something that, that they want where the, their, their, their representative is not getting suspended a full season. Right. Uh, yeah. And they certainly want the arbiter to have more power in this general relationship with Goodell than, than Goodell just to be say, OK, we'll give it to an arbiter and then I don't like the decision. So we'll mm-hmm. we'll uh, uh, I'll decide. <laughs> um, it's interesting. It's it really does put Goodell in the in the position as judge and the judge in this case in the position as jury. And he's allowing himself to direct the verdict uh, in, in a way that's it's a. It's, it, I don't recall this happening before in sports, but I guess Landis is famous for 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 you know, tossing the eight guys out of baseball back in 1920, uh, the, the the Black Sox, and and that was uh, a case where he was he was you know willing to do whatever, and he and he, he would suffer nobody else to make that judgment. So uh, so it's it's interesting. I think most Ravens fans obviously would would uh, would love it to be longer rather than shorter, but uh, uh, you know it is what it is. What other what other things would you draw from this graph about the divisional race in the AFC North? Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be important to see, you know, how how big uh, coaching can be and and how, how you know how much co- coaching can help a quarterback. Uh, you know, uh, we've we've done shows before talking about how Mike Tomlin and John Harbaugh are both Hall of Fame coaches, and Mike Tomlin, you know, somehow took. Uh, the corpse of Ben Roethlisberger these past couple of years you know, into the playoffs. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I want to see if he can do that with a combination of Trubisky and Pickett because both are going to be, you know, below average to bad quarterbacks this year. Uh, and, and if he's able to establish a, a, you know, a culture and, you know, kind of uh, lean into the other areas that the Steelers have as strengths, 
you know, I, I, I'm really curious to see like how he handles that, that quarterback situation. All right. Very good. So uh, that, that I, I think that's a very fair analysis about what could happen there. Uh, I'm, I'm a little concerned that, that uh, you know, Pickett probably will advance quicker because of the scheme mm-hmm. and be more effective with the, with the Steelers wide receivers. One thing Ravens fans are always frustrated by is the Steelers ability to find bargain receivers yeah. in later rounds, just so consistently. And uh, anyway, uh, one of the things that I think we've talked about a little bit, I don't know whether we've talked on in a show about this or, or otherwise, is the Bengals really had a horseshoe up their rear ends last year with regard to injuries. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that it didn't just apply. I mean, I, they were famously kind of injured at offensive tackle, but really they had very few injuries as a team. Um, and and they, were, they were in good shape. And it did affect their sack total probably uh, last year to, to, to have the injuries they did have. Uh, but one of the things that you pointed out after the season was over was that with all of the regression of the mean items likely, well, I, well, I'll let you say it the way you would say it, uh, that, that the Ravens and, and Bengals might finish differently this next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was the combination of the Bengals being the least injured team in the league and the Ravens being the most injured team. And so the fact that, you know, they were so close in the divisional race going into late into the season, you know, week 14 and 15 was a very impressive uh, job for John Harbaugh and the staff for keeping that team together. And yeah, like what you said, like the regression to the mean for both of them uh, with the Bengals having uh, negative regression and the the Ravens having positive regression, I think is really going to kind of be the difference in the divisional race this year between those two teams. All right. Well, the gamblers seem to agree that the, that mm. the, uh, that the Ravens and Bengals are uh, more or less about even in terms of their chance to win the division. Where do you put the Browns with the, with the current situation with Watson? Yeah, it's, you know, it's really tough until we, we know the number for Watson. You know, I think, uh, Rust aside, when when Deshaun Watson is playing on the football field, he is, you know, in between that that category of of Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, kind of on this graph. You'd be you'd be very similar to where their their uh, distributions are. But you know, if, if he's suspended, let's say eight games, Jacoby Brissett probably goes, you know, three and five with them around there, and then Deshaun Watson will probably be slightly above. Uh, 500. So, you know, with the, with the Steelers win total set at seven, let's say they're a seven and 10 team, I could see the Browns winning eight or nine games, but with, with the suspension being, you know, more than six games now, uh, if it turns out to be, I, I, I probably see the Browns, you know, not being able to, to compete for the division with the Bengals and the Ravens. Okay. All right. Um, great stuff. As always, Tage, just outstanding stuff. Any, anything else you'd like to talk about in terms of the AFC North and kind of your thoughts going into the season? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, I'm I'm really excited for Lamar Jackson specifically. I think this offseason has, you know, been kind of weird with the way people have talked about him, especially executives around the league who say he doesn't do well in pure passing situations or the ESPN executive list where they they left him out of the top 10. You know, I'm really excited for him to kind of use that as fuel, um, you know, you know, the reports out of training camp have said that his his arm looks stronger, that he bulked up this offseason. And like, I'm I'm glad like he has this bulletin board material to, to kind of go after because I, re- I really think he could, you know, kind of light the league on fire this year because of because of the way that that he's being treated by uh, evaluators. 
One of the really funny things I think in this league, two two guys who really get bashed pretty frequently on on uh, Twitter are at opposite ends of the quarterback spectrum in terms of how they approach the game. But Lamar Jackson is the ultimate student of the game currently mm-hmm. among quarterbacks. He's spent so much time trying to improve his game with his offseason quarterback guru. He is he is laser focused in terms of what he's doing. And there was, you know, he held out and somebody was still holding, you know, uh, individual receiving days with receivers and they weren't just throwing the ball around like kids. You know, the receivers are wearing helmets to try and get a, a, a different, you know, constrained vision into the thing, you know, try and replicate game conditions as much as possible. I just, his, his work ethic is remarkable. The Ravens actually for the first time allowed his quarterback uh, guru to come with him to camp. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know what the what the rules are, by the way, with that. At some point, I would think they have to they have to kind of they certainly would have to not put him on payroll because otherwise it would it would jeopardize what he could what they could do to work with him in the offseason. Yeah. He needs to work with people outside the organization. But um, the other guy I want to talk about was Kyler Murray, you know, who the big story this offseason has been, they you know, the Cardinals wanting a clause in his contract for amount of study per day so, <laughs> because he's apparently kind of a video game addict. Yeah. 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 I mean, that, that that's like, that's, that's exactly what you don't want to see from your franchise quarterback. It's, you know, it's good that Lamar Jackson, you could see him putting in all this effort to, to succeed in the league, Kyler Murray. And like, you know, you kind of like, you kind of see that with, with him, like when, when they were playing the lions last year and they were kind of getting blown out, they were flipping to Kyler on the sideline. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was just sitting on the bench by himself, not trying to rally the team around him, not really looking like he was like devastated that, he was losing as a you know a double digit point favorite uh, on the road and everything, so it's it's a totally different you know atmosphere that you're working with with Kyler. It's interesting. I, I come from a profession, and I'm not going to say it's exactly like quarterbacks, but I will say there's this thread of of similarity that I'd like to bring up. Uh, the, the the profession, actuarial profession, is a very high flunk out rate because of the actuarial exams, mm. and it it just. The people that are attracted to the profession are people who've been great exam takers all their life. High SAT scores, never had a problem, always the smartest kid in the math class, but you'd fall exactly into that class stage. Um, (laughs) But but the the problem that often happens is they have so many outside interests because they've always had the time to have outside interests. Mm -hmm. It's it's never been difficult for them. Well, Kyler Murray is the same way. Playing quarterback has always been super easy for him. He could always improvise and do whatever he wanted on the field. Mm. And and Lamar Jackson, as as easy as the game has always been for him, and, and you know how great he was at Louisville, he didn't st- st- you know uh, rest on his laurels at the NFL level. He continued to work and work and work at it. And Murray has gone a little bit in the other direction. And and I think it, it'd be difficult to see that that has not constrained what could be the top end already for Kyler Murray. Mm. That's a, that's a great, you know, analogy about kind of, yeah, like, like being in school and, and taking tests and stuff like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like when, when school comes really easy to you uh, in high school and like, you know, you don't have to actually like learn how to study. You just kind of yeah. have to like, you know, kind of pick it up when you go to college sometime or like you, we see some of these people go to college and they, they never learn how to study and they're just completely wiped out. Like, mm-hmm. like they don't do well their first semester or, or different stuff like that. So I, I do kind of see that with Kyler being very similar. You're right. Like everything's come so easy to him that he never really had to like study film before, before he got to, you know, high end NFL level. Yeah. 
All right. Well, Tage, always a pleasure talking football with you, my friend. You're welcome anytime. I'm sure we'll have you back as soon as I see the next cool graph from you on Twitter, <laughs> particularly with a Raven slant. And there seems to be a heavy Lamar Jackson slant to a lot of the stuff you do. But tell folks where they can talk football with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, thanks again for having me on, Ken. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at TEJFB Analytics. So TEJFB Analytics, um, you know, check out the the podcast that I do with my friend Arjun. Uh, take the points, you know, on, on Apple or, or Spotify or, or Google Podcasts. But yeah, I really appreciate you, you having me on and, and letting me kind of talk about my stuff today, Ken. All right. Very cool, Tage. Other folks out there, if you'd like to be on a film study short, hit me up with a DM on Twitter. They're always open. I'm always looking for content. And even during the regular season, I'll probably have about one show a week I'm devoting to these shorts and would love to have uh, other people on. Analysis is great, but also if you're just passionate about a particular Ravens topic, nice and narrow, discuss it in about 25, 30 minutes. That's perfect. Uh, Tage, thanks again for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.